Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. It is the Believe Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Brady Farkas, Doug Flutie, Aaron Wells is our producer. So you can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. You can follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Flutie. Aaron's on Twitter as too. Search for Aaron Wells. He's the guy there. So uh, find him. Patriots in uncharted territory, folks. They're two and four going into a big divisional matchup with Buffalo. Excited to get Doug's take on that considering he played for both the Patriots and the Bills, as always, the podcast brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the best place in the internet universe to get your bets done. I like Detroit. Detroit plus three against Indies. If Indies, Indies up and down, and I'm not a Philip Rivers guy at this point. I do like Matt Stafford's toughness. They've won two in a row. They get Everson Griffin. People a little bit more up in Detroit. So I am on the Lions bandwagon this week. So, uh, Aaron, to the podcast. What you are about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome into the Believe in Patriots podcast. I want to welcome in Doug Flutie. Doug, now that you're the official co-host, happy to have you. I got to ask you, because I didn't ask you the other day, why did you want to join the media and be one of the bad guys? I thought all the players hated us. I enjoyed, when I got out of football, I wanted to do um, I wanted to do games. I wanted to broadcast games. I've done that for about 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I enjoy that aspect of it because I still feel like a quarterback. I can read the coverage, see where the ball should have gone, what happened, uh, protection breakdown, what is it. That makes me feel like a quarterback still. Um, Some of this I'll just do on the side for fun. Um, I hated the media when I played. I was like, I well, I did not, I I wanted to be Bill Belichick. I wanted to have the ability to say nothing, Hmm. but I, I, I couldn't help it. I have this stupid, desire to answer the darn question when I'd love to be, I wish I could have been Bill and kept my mouth shut and just giving them generic straight answers. I just, I really, I was one of those guys. I tried to stay in my happy little bubble because when you hear, hear negative things, it affects you. Did you ever get yourself in trouble for something you said to the media? I can't think of, I, I don't believe I ever did. Um, I do remember Bill, when I got to the Patriots at the end of my career that Bill kind of gave the speech to the team. I don't want to be reading anything from anybody <laughs> in the newspaper. You better not be saying something about never speak about another player, blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what it was I said, but they'd asked me a question after a game or a practice or something. And I'm not even playing, you know, I'm a backup. And I, I remember answering the question and I'm like, you know what? He could spin that this hmm. way in my head yeah. i'm thinking and i immediately walk down to bill's office i go to bill i go look i said this i don't 
I, this is what I said. I'm worried that he may spin it this way. He goes, Doug, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> I'm worried about those damn 20 year old kids saying something stupid. You're fine. <laughs> but but uh, that, that was the, that was the nerve. You know, that's bill. That's answering the bill all the time and how you feel. Well, we're getting ready for Patriots bills. But Doug, this is a battle of head versus heart for you. You, you went to college in new England. You've revered in New England, but you also played in Buffalo. So let me ask you, when you think of your NFL tenure, do you consider yourself more of a Patriot or more of a Bill? Uh, you know, I'm connected more with the Patriots people. Yeah. I always think of myself that way. But my good year, you know, my prime years or years that I played very well were in Buffalo. And I went back to Buffalo last year to a game for the first time. And for crying out loud, they treated me like I was Jim Kelly. You know, I played three <laughs> years there. And the fans were absolutely amazing. Um, so I think I think I a little bit, when it's looked back on, I'll, I'll think of myself as a Bill. Hmm. Um, what happened in Buffalo? Because you were the guy there, and a lot of people thought you should have been the guy there, but – they ended up going with Rob Johnson and in a kind of a controversial decision. Now, refresh my memory. Was it more a case of Rob Johnson was the young guy and they just wanted to give it to him? What was the reasoning? Rob was a young guy. I signed first. I signed as a free agent coming out of Canada that year. And the, the explanation I, I got, you're going to be able to compete for the job here. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, they signed Rob for 10 times the money I signed for. Okay. I mean, I signed for like 250 grand. He signed for 28 million. Wow. So, you know, um, so it's okay. He's going to be the starter. And they were trying to make Rob the starter the whole time. And I, I got off to a slow start in training camp. I really did. It, it took a while to adjust back to the NFL game and figuring out new stuff. And, uh, but Rob got banged up a lot. He got banged up in the first game. I went in and played very well. We missed the chip shot field goal that would have won that game. And then, he played a few more weeks and we're like going three mm. and in the fourth game he got hurt and, and cracked the ribbon was out for a four week whatever period we went i went in started playing well we won we won like six in a row or something and then got ourselves in position to go to the playoffs go to the playoffs that year the second year i'm the starter again we're an 11 and 5 team we're going to the playoffs the last regular season game was a meaningless game and they had spent all this money on Rob, and the owner wanted to get a look at him. So, meaning this game, Rob starts. He has a good game, throws a few touchdown passes. A lot of starters sat in that game for both sides. Yeah. And Rob had a really good day. Owner got involved, says, "Hey, I want Rob start because he spent a lot of money on him, and he wanted him playing." And Rob ended up getting the start in the playoffs. And is that the one? Was that the Music City Miracle, the Kevin Dyson maybe forward yes. pass game you lose in Tennessee? Yep. They the one. Rob really struggled in the first half, second half. He got a little better, but we didn't do much on offense. We line up and kick a field goal in the last seconds to take the lead, and we're going to win the game anyway. And then they do the Music City miracle. Uh, Lorenzo Neal pitches the wide check. He throws the lateral. Dyson goes down the sideline, and uh, we're headed home, and they end up going to the Super Bowl. So things don't end great in Buffalo. We've talked a lot about Cam and maybe his resentment towards Carolina and his feeling of – trying to prove people wrong when you leave buffalo what's your attitude what's your feeling you say now you think of yourself as a bill but did it take some time to get to get to that point no i'm not i think i i loved playing for wade phillips okay. i liked wade 
Um, I, I knew in my heart that management got involved in that decision. And then a couple of years later, Wade became our defense coordinator in San Diego and verified that. Mm-hmm. So when I went to San Diego, John Butler and A.J. Smith, the uh, general manager and assistant general manager from Buffalo, got the job in San Diego. They wanted me, brought me there. I was more excited about the opportunity to finally go somewhere where I was going to be the guy and they were making me the guy. That's the Mm -hmm. first time in my career that I was brought in to be the guy. And um, so I was more excited about the new opportunity. We drafted Drew Brees that year. Drew backed me up the first year, year and a half, and then Drew took over. When you think about Buffalo, Buffalo ultimately, you had been in the NFL before, but then you go to Canada and rewrite all kinds of record books. What did going to Buffalo do for your overall career, though, a chance to get back into the NFL? It really um, gave me peace of mind, like validate. All the things I was thinking deep down became validated. I was, mm-hmm. I was in Canada. I had a great one-loss record in my first five years in the NFL, even though I wasn't thrown for 300-yard games and all that, we were managing, we were running the football a lot, but managing to win games. I went up to Canada, lit it up, and I'd like reaffirm the things I believe in my abilities, and also reassure. You know, I, I found my confidence again. And when I came back to Buffalo, I knew what I did well, what I didn't do well, and I went in there with guns blazing and just letting it fly. And I played really well, and it just made. It kind of just, you know, legitimized my career for me and like proved to myself that I could do it in the NFL. It's really interesting you say that. You say you go to Canada, you find your confidence again. So that's a period of seasons in which that happened. We're asking Cam Newton to refine his confidence yeah. in seven days. It yeah. leads me to believe that it's going to be harder for Cam to get over this mental block maybe than we thought it was. You need you need some good things to happen, you know, and maybe it's by accident. Maybe you just hit a little slant route and the guy takes it, breaks a tackle and goes 80 yards for touchdown to get you out of a funk, to get you confident and sticking the ball in a tight window and just anticipating and pulling trigger and putting the ball where you want to put it. Um, It takes one or two throws to get back into a rhythm. And, you know, I'm hoping that, that he doesn't have a physical problem with the shoulder going on and that he can get out of it. And, um, you know, I'd love to see, and I've said this from day one, uh, I'd love to see the Patriots get a big-time receiver, someone that's a Julio Jones type of guy that can dominate a game. Someone, I don't feel they've had that as an outside receiver. I I just don't see it. It's crazy because the trade deadline's coming up. It sounds like you want the Patriots to buy. I think what to happen, I think right now the Patriots are on the phone looking at both sides. Hey, if we lose to Buffalo, we're selling off. Gilmore, McCordy, Edelman, whoever you want, we're getting rid of. See, that usually doesn't happen in the end. Like, unloading contracts. I, I, I get so frustrated with that, especially at this point in the season. I know, I mean, it, they do not look like a playoff team. I mean, you know, it's, they, don't, they don't look like they'd have a chance. But week two, week three, you were thinking, they look pretty solid. You know, there's some good things happening here. Maybe they are, you know. Um, so if, I'm, o- I'm always the other way we lost, we started out like five and two in San Diego and we lost a bunch of games in a row. And I'm like still talking if we went out, if we win the last four games, we can make the playoffs. We can do that. You still believe as a player that you're going to do it, that you're going to win every week. You're going to go out on the field. Things are going to happen and you're going to get it growing again. 
So the, from a player standpoint, that's the way they feel. If the Patriots win, I think they're buyers, but I'd be a limited buyer. I'm not doing I'm not doing a rental player. I'm not giving up a first round pick oh, for a guy that's there for a year. If you're there for more than a year, then then I'll start talking because you're gonna help me next year. But I, I don't see this team winning the Super Bowl. I'm not blowing it out to get a guy who's about to be a free agent. I agree with that. I agree hundred percent with that. Um, but I would love them to find and I, I'm trying to spin the wheels right now, thinking of a college player coming out for next year as a wide receiver, but uh, I can't come up with them. Um, but you're a Notre Dame guy. Find me Chase Claypool part two. I know. So find oh, me my that. Goodness, Chase. Jeez. <laughs> well, they they have a kid there that that looked like a Chase Claypool, um, Kevin Austin, but he's he keeps getting hurt. He doesn't play yeah. much, and and I I kept thinking he might might have been might have been. Um, they got some tight ends, though, that are going to be NFL guys for sure. Well, the, the Patriots need basically an entirely reworked offense with the exception of the running backs. So whoever you can think of in the next six months, that's who we'll be interested okay, in. Aaron, we'll go find them. Yeah, give me the first impression sounder, Aaron. First impressions. All right, so I got a lot of history behind these stats in this game. So l- listen to this. The Bills will face the Patriots with a better record for the first time since 2012. So 15 meetings it's been since the Bills had a better record than the Pats. And by the way, Bill Belichick's beaten the Bills 35 times. That's tied with Don Shula for the most coaching wins versus an opponent in the Super Bowl era. My first impression, Doug, is that this is the biggest regular season game I can remember for New England. If they lose... We're talking about the playoffs being done and what I think is a potential blow-up of the roster. Cam's career is at stake when you look at his job security this season, but also his chance to ever be a starter again. The Patriots' division run of dominance is at risk. I, I mean, you know, I think coming this to is mind, as big as it gets. What's coming to mind is my cousin Vinny. How much more can we put on this case? Yeah. The lives <laughs> of two kids, your biological clock is ticking, and all <laughs> It's like, how much can we throw on this game? That makes sense. That It all makes sense. I agree with you. That All that is at risk this week. It, it's a divisional opponent. It's a separation of where the Patriots really are this year. Are they going to be a contender, at least for the playoffs, or are they in the bottom third and looking to rebuild? It really it has that magnitude. And Buffalo – their defense is solid as a rock. I love the way I, they struggled offensively last week. I, I was so surprised. I didn't really watch a lot of the game. Yeah, I kept checking the score and seeing that the Jets were leading, and then yeah, you know, they, you know, it was a low-scoring game. But Buffalo's defense is exceptional. Josh Allen, I believe in him. I thought I saw him last year, and he's gotten better this year. Um, I, I, they're, they're, they're a contender. As a total side note, we talk about guys potentially getting traded at the deadline. I'm at the point now where if this Patriots team doesn't end up with a decent season, I think Julian Edelman might retire at the end of the year. He's got one year left on his deal, but if the writing is on the wall where the team isn't as good, and now he's banged up again, he only played 60% of the snaps the other day. If they're not going to be good and he's not what he thinks he should be, and he's banged up, I, I could see him walking away. I agree with you. Um, it, and I say this about the quarterback position every other. When you get a little older, the toughest part on any given day, you're you're 100. You're great. You're back. You're like you were when you're 28 years old. But the problem is staying healthy. Staying healthy 
is so I'm playing old man baseball. I can't stay healthy. You know, <laughs> it's like you, it just gets tough. You know, you, you, you know, when you're old, you go to bed healthy and you wake up hurt <laughs> and you don't know how that's when you're old. Um, and Julian, he's been getting banged up every year. The last couple of years, he's had a lot of nicks, a lot of, you know, God bless. I love him. He and I were buddies. Um, I love his heart. I love the way he plays everything about him. And, um, but the writing, the writing was on the wall when you can't stay healthy. I play, I play old man baseball here in Vermont. I'll throw seven innings on a Sunday. Won't touch a ball until the next Sunday. And it will, it will hurt. Like my first 15 throws will be clicking the next Sunday, a week later. That's how I know that it's over for me. Surprisingly for me, my arm still works and I can throw endless innings. I pitched the nine inning game two days ago. And I can just, I can throw, but I strained a ligament in my knee. I'm limping around. This is bugging me. That's bothering me. It just, it, it's so funny too. Cause we're all, we're all a bunch of guys just having fun, but the ice packs, the Advil, yeah. the hamstrings, the Achilles, it's, it's all over. The, it's, it's funny. And everybody gripes about their injuries. It's so funny. You know, moving back to the game, my other, my, my, gut feeling on this is I think the Patriots win. And I don't know why I'm saying that given how the Patriots have looked, but I think I'm blinded by history. Josh Allen's 0-3 against the Pats. They picked him off four times last year. He doesn't run as well against the Patriots. He does against anybody else. Am I crazy here? Am I just believing one too many times? You're not crazy because in the back of my mind, I kind of was thinking the same thing a little bit, Hmm. but I go back to how poor the offense has been. And there aren't any answers right now. And I don't think they win this week. Like, normally I would say, you know, it, it could be a normal situation with the Patriots where they've been struggling. But they'll, they'll turn it around in one week. It does. This does not look like they can turn this around in one week. You know, they're banged up in the offensive line. They're, they're Cam struggling from the passing game's non-existent. Turnovers are happening. Um, I don't know what the quick fix is. That makes me disheartened. I think that makes all of Patriots Nation disheartened. Josh Allen's going to be one of the big storylines of this game. Look, the Bills only scored 18 points, by the way, against the Jets. I can't unsee that. Sixth field That's goal true. against the Jets. I can't unsee that. And I, I went through a deep dive on this game. Josh Allen's really struggled against the Patriots in man-to-man coverage. The Patriots still play primarily man-to-man coverage. He's been better this year against man-to-man, but the Pats have had his number. I can't unsee those games, and it's still stuck in my head. What I also know about Josh Allen, he has a huge arm. So my question to you is, who had the best arm of your era, Doug? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm thinking Jeff George and Brett Favre. Those are the guys I'm thinking. If you just stood there and threw the ball – as far as you can throw it, Randall Cunningham. Could, oh, wow. He could throw the thing a mile. Um, but I'd say I'd go to Elway. I'd go to oh. Elway. Uh, he would wind up when he was young, and he would wind up. He would break fingers all over the field. He oh, would just wow. turn it loose, let it fly. You know, the amazing thing is, it's, and I mean, arm strength is great. It's a great asset. But it's not the maker of a quarterback and Joe Montana, you know, going back to my years, Joe Montana, Steve Young, guys that were great quarterbacks. You, you just got to be able to make the throws every now and then there's this wow throw from these big arm guys. It just you, unbelievable. But you know, that's a one-time deal. 
It's, it's reading coverage, getting yourself in the right protections, knowing where to go for the ball, and the anticipation of the throws is, is where, it, where it comes down to. And how about touch also? Because Allen in his younger, you know, his first couple of years, just everything's a missile. Everything's a rocket. There's not a whole lot of finesse to the ball. For those guys, how, how long do you think it takes to develop that touch on some of these passes? You either have it or you don't. Oh, you wow. You either have that. That's a knack, a feel. And you know when I – who, who did I see fading away? God, it might have been Kyler Murray. Okay. But, but the fading, drifting away from the pass rush – and still making a throw up the field, when you're doing that, it's a lot easier to, to make the ball come up and down over someone. And I don't know why that is, because I did the same thing, and I did it very well. When I was drifting away from someone and falling backwards, I could I could put that touch on it a little easier up and over, and I don't know why. But as we're talking about this, I'm picturing Cam in my head, and he can't do that. Yeah, He's you know – He's a quarterback that has to have the ball right here by his ear, two hands on it. And it's it's those those shot throws, those laser, the one on a line type of throw. Um, I, I thought Josh could do it a little bit, but maybe I, I haven't watched enough film. I think I'm with you. When I think of Cam, and I think Alan and Cam are very similar body types, so we lump them together. I think Cam has – or I think Alan has a little more flexibility than Cam does. But I think of Cam now that you say this stuff is a little robotic. Like he doesn't have that athleticism. He's athletic, of course, but he doesn't have that flexibility, that kind of smoothness of a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes. It just feels kind of everything is kind of cumbersome. It the the ball has to be in proper position, up by his ear, two hands on the ball, feet set, and turn it loose. And uh, you know, it just that's not the game anymore. The game now, and I'm not trying to bash Cam at all, um, but the game now is athletic quarterbacks drifting away from unblocked guys, buying an extra second or so. So a route can, even in a blitz zero, man-to-man, no free safety, you can hang on the ball and throw it 30 yards down the field. Mahomes does it all the time. Russell Wilson does it all the time. Kyler Murray's doing it. Where you've got an unblocked rusher. You're hot. In the old days, you, you set your feet and you try to throw a slant route. He catches it for five yards and gets blown up. Now, Patrick Mahomes says, okay, I see you're coming, but I got the guy on the other side of the field running a, a seam route. I'm going to let him run and run right by the guy with no free safety. I'll drift away from that unblocked rusher and buy an extra second and throw the ball 30 yards down the field versus blitz where, where we're not blocking a guy. And that, that throws a wrench in the defense. That's like, you got to be kidding me. We're bringing an extra rusher, and he's throwing a 30-yard ball down the field. It's not just a quick slant or a quick out or a quick fade. And that, that's a difference. I think you're selling me on the idea of not giving Cam Newton a real long-term deal now. Like, even if he plays well, I don't <laughs> I, know that I he's – I want Cam to play well. I love watching the Patriots, and I love watching the Patriots when they're playing well. I mean, I, I love the fact that Cam, especially early, in, he's playing tough. He's running hard. He's he's making first downs, doing all that. And then the last couple of weeks, the wheels starting to fall off, and it's snowballing on him and getting tougher. And I'd really love to see him get out of this. With the exception of Brady, though, 
it feels like the quote statue quarterbacks, if they don't have elite talent around them, they struggle. Okay. If Matt Ryan didn't have what he has, I could see him looking like Andy Dalton looks or, I mean, Philip Rivers doesn't look great. And, uh, you know, and Cam doesn't look great. And there was Darnold doesn't even look great. These people that don't move well and don't have help. I I'm seeing a trend here. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's tougher for some reason. Tom has defied all odds. The game is yeah. changing around him, and he's still doing it. You know, the, the, Think about Tom. You you don't run quarterback draws. You don't run RPOs. You don't run quarterback zone read stuff. You, there's a lot of stuff you don't run. And yet, he picks people apart and run, you know, he's scoring points, throwing touchdowns, doing everything, you know, with these elite, elite pass rushers. Um, you know, Donald last night, just amazing. You know, you, you just – He's still doing it, and it, you know, it, without being the the agile, athletic guy moving around blind, buying time, um, For, it gets tough. It gets tougher. Aaron, let's get to the opponent spotlight. Opponent spotlight. For me, Doug, it's Cole Beasley for the Bills. Um, I thought about going with Stephon Diggs. He's the big name, but Beasley, 210 yards in his last three games, 21 catches, so he's averaging seven catches a game. Diggs is the big name. Diggs is the big play guy. But Allen now can rely on Beasley underneath third down, and Beasley's going to open things up for a guy like Diggs. I like Cole Beasley. He's your Wes Welker, your Julian Edelman. He's the yes. guy that's making first downs for you, and he's got the ability to get up the field. Um, but if you don't have a guy like Diggs on the outside, it becomes a lot more difficult for that slot receiver. You can bracket the slot receiver on third downs. If, if – in nickel situations, you can you can basically bracket one guy on each side of the field. So who do you pick? Um, and and you've got to worry. You got to have a safety going over the top on digs or worrying about him. And it allows your other positions to get that one on one. And I I love Beasley. He's tough as nails. He catches everything. He's quick. He's agile. He's he's that that slot receiver that maybe Edelman was five years ago, and maybe. You know, you look back to the West Walker years with Tommy. I can certainly see how Diggs helps open things up for Beasley. Does Beasley also help things for Diggs, or is it more the other way? I think it's more the other way, trying to think of situations here with motion. It's so – with a guy like Diggs, with your ex-receiver, you usually know where that guy's going to be. Yeah. Um, with a slot receiver, with motions and change releases – and bunches, you can do things that make it a lot more difficult to bracket him. Okay, gotcha. So to wrap it up in advance of our week eight game, which is crazy to me to believe that we're that far in already and the Patriots are this bad right now at two and four. Aaron, let's get to random Patriots Twitter takes as we wrap it all up. The internet is a weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. I can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The internet. internet. Now it's crazy Patriots Twitter takes. Doesn't anyone notice this? I'm taking crazy pills. All right, Doug, I'm going to wrap it up with just a statement here, and I just want your reaction to it. Um, Everyone on social media was calling for Jared Stidham. It's just a collective Patriots Nation crazy Twitter take. And so my question is, Three months ago, I wanted to see Stidham play. 
Now I don't. The Patriots have, to, to me, have shown me what they think of Stidham. When Cam wasn't playing, he couldn't beat out Hoyer for the starting job. When the beginning of the year, he couldn't even get active to be the backup quarterback. Hoyer beat him out there too. I think it's more important to evaluate Cam and see if I'm going to give him a long-term deal or the franchise tag or just keep him around than it is to evaluate Stidham. To me, they have shown me what they think of Stidham, and I have no interest anymore. I, I agree with you 100%. The fact that Hoyer was the second guy to go in says it all. You know, at the end of last year, they had high hopes for Stidham. And uh, with the signing of Cam, we thought there'd be a battle for that spot. Cam took it over. Cam came into the season, number one, no doubt about it. People got excited about the way Cam was playing. When there was a move or when the went to, it's Hoyer. Yeah. And with that kind of set it all about, you know, about Stidham's situation. I agree with you 100%. I need to, as a fan, stop getting excited about late round draft picks. Stidham was a fourth round pick. The, for, the idea that these guys are going to hit, like for every Russell Wilson, even Kirk Cousins, who we all bag on, but Kirk Cousins has turned into a starting quarterback for seven years or whatever. He was a late round, like fifth round pick. For every Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins, there's a bunch of guys you've never heard of that got drafted late. Like, we got to cool our temperament here on some of these guys that get drafted late and just assume they're going to work. Yeah. And, you know, I think Matt Castle, back when I was playing, Matt was that guy. Yeah. You know, that, that because he played well when he got in, everybody thought, you know, there's a magic wand there in New England where Bill finds these diamonds in a rough and he's going to become an all pro quarterback. Um, you know, Matt had a nice little career, became a starter for a while and all that. So I, I agree. It's see, I root for the other to happen all the time because I got a short guy syndrome going on over yeah. here. Where, you know, I want to see the undrafted free agent make the roster. I want to see the low round quarterback turn it on. I'd love to see that because um, I always I always have a problem with all the measurables. It bothers me that certain guys didn't get chance. Well, now a lot of smaller quarterbacks are getting that opportunity and get drafted high and all that. So. Um, I think they've proved they've proven my point over the years. It's interesting. See, I think I have some of that, but not quite as far. I want the quarterback to be drafted high, like third. To me, the quarterback's got to be third round and in for me to really now give him a chance. But I'm I don't think they need to come from a blue blood. I don't need my quarterback to come from USC. I don't need him to come from Ohio State. I don't need him to come from Nebraska. Like. I would have taken Carson Wentz high out of North Dakota State. Like, I have no problem doing that. And Steve McNair, when you played out of Alcorn State, like, I'll take guys from these schools no one's ever heard of. I just wanted to be taken high. And we had that conversation. Sometimes guys from those schools had to do more with less. Yeah. And, right. And they, they've, they've learned that leadership role. They've learned how to take a team and take them on their back and drive the ball, do what they had to do. So – uh, you know, and, and you talk about Miami, Ohio, and what the success of the quarterbacks that came out of there. So, very true. You know, the, I'll get you out of here on this. The the hi, hypocrisy, I guess, of draft day analysis has always gotten to me. We're talking about Josh Allen. When Josh Allen came out, people said, oh, it's great. He went to Wyoming. He worked with less, less talent, less coaching, whatever. But then when Daniel Jones came out of Duke, it was like, well, he's no good because they never did this in a bowl game. I'm like, we can't give Josh Allen the benefit for playing at a non-football power and then crush Daniel Jones for it. Like, it's got to be equal, and it never is. See, but everyone is an individual. Uh, that's the, the bottom line is you evaluate the individual on his talents. And I saw Daniel Jones first half. I covered him. He impressed the heck out of me. He, he beat Notre Dame 
he Duke's first win over Notre Dame was with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Mm. I mean, he he was pretty sharp. I mean, he got rid of the football. He anticipated throws. He picked he picked that defense apart. I love Daniel Jones. So I, I, I if the other Giants... than the fact he's not going to go eighty yards for a touchdown because he's going <laughs> to break up and fall down. <laughs> on the if the Giants want to move on from him, if they're so bad that they end up with the number one pick and take Trevor Lawrence, the Patriots can trade for Daniel Jones, and I will gladly take him in New England. He's the type of guy that Bill Bill would do a lot of a lot with. I that I never thought of that, but he's the type of guy that's very cerebral, very X and O oriented type kid. There you go. We're we're we're, do, we're now doing reckless quarterback speculation on oh, yeah. the Believing Patriots it's podcast. A, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing because we don't have to answer to it. That's great. So Doug Flutie. See, that's our... what I hate about the media. That's yeah. why I'll never be in the media. <laughs> we just we're the fun part of the media. So Doug Flutie, you can follow him on Twitter at Doug Flutie. I'm Brady Farkas at WDEV Radio Brady. Aaron presses the buttons behind the scenes and does a great job. Patriots and Bills, thanks to Aaron Williams for joining us. The Pats need a win. Hopefully they get it. So until next time, go Pats. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.